Hey everyone, Chris here, and I just want to take a minute. Um, as you have no doubt noticed, there have been some longish delays between episodes of the podcast lately, and I just wanted to apologize because that is completely on me. It's not Allison's fault or Matt's fault or Albie's fault or Hayden's fault. I'm the one responsible for getting the final production out, and I've been dropping the ball lately. So I just want to thank you all for your patience and your continued support, and just so you know, we already have the episodes for Justice and Permanent Wave in the can, so there's a lot of great content to come. Please keep being patient. But honestly, I'm kind of glad it worked out this way because it presents us with an opportunity. Albie recently did an interview with actress Shay Dillon, who appeared in the season five episode Blood Moon, and quite frankly, it put us in a bit of a quandary because we're not going to get to Blood Moon for quite a while on the podcast, and we didn't want to sit on this interview until we did, and we were trying to figure out the best way to present it to you, and then the light bulb went on in my head, and I said, hey, why don't we use it to fill the gap? Um, it's a great interview, and I'm really glad that you'll be able to hear it sooner rather than later. Shay Dillon is an accomplished actress, producer, and director, and since her acting debut as Lady Alexandra Corrington in Blood Moon, she has gone on to have a varied career both in front of and behind the camera. Her TV appearances include roles on shows like Dharma and Greg, Boardwalk Empire, and Orange is the New Black, and her film work also includes hits like Vegas Vacation and the Academy Award-nominated Can You Ever Forgive Me starring Melissa McCarthy. She talks about all of this and more in her chat with so without further ado, please sit back and enjoy our interview with Shay Dillon. Shay, thank you so much for joining us today on the Quantum Leap podcast. It's an honor to have you. Well, Albie, it's so nice of you to ask me. This is uh, one of my favorite episodes of Quantum Leap. A lot of people joke about it because it's uh, one of the few supernatural episodes of Quantum Leap, uh, like a scary, spooky one. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with Quantum Leap? And, and I noticed on your IMDb, this is like uh, your first listings, if not the first. <laughs> my very, very first job. Yeah. yeah. My very first job. That's amazing to get a, a lead uh, like across from Scott Bakula in an episode of Quantum Leap on your first thing out. So tell me how that all happened. Well, I went to Los Angeles in the fall of my first year out of acting school, and um, I had been here for a month, sleeping under a dining table in my high school daisy cotton sleeping bag. Um, there was a crack house next door, and we didn't have a lock on the front door, so I was always being <laughs> woken up by people looking for cracks. <laughs> and the guys whose house it was were being... Um, well, the house was being sold or was sold. And so they were being asked to leave on the Monday following this Friday when I got this audition. And I literally did not know what I was going to do. I didn't know where I was going to go or anything. And I just told myself, no matter what, you have to get this job. And so I was very lucky. It turned out to be the perfect job for me. I had a lot of experience with dialects and classical training and I had done a lot of theater and so the part was something that you know maybe it was a little bit more difficult for someone who had just done contemporary work and so I don't know for whatever reason I got it I was so grateful but then in doing it there's a funny story about it being my first job because nobody knew that yeah. and while we were filming, I don't know if you'll remember, there's a little monologue where I tell about my 
my past and I say that I was dropped off in a shoebox on the steps of the, a boot box yeah. on the steps of the church. Mm-hmm. And I have to cry and I had to walk while saying it and then stop at a certain point. And Alan Levy, who's the sweetest, greatest director ever, saying, cut, okay, we have to do it again. Um, Shay, can you just hit your mark? And I thought that meant that I wasn't crying hard enough. And so I kept trying to cry harder. <laughs> and we kept doing it again and again. I was, like, crying so hard. And I, he said, took me aside and he said, Shay, I'm, I just, you're doing great, really, just... You're just not hitting your mark. And I said, I'm trying. I'm crying as hard as I can. He said, wait, um, do you know what I mean when I say hit your mark? <laughs> I said, oh, maybe not. And he said, is this your first job? He whispered it so kindly. I said, yes, it is. He said, I promise I'm not going to tell anybody, but now I'm going to put a sandbag on the ground. So your toe <laughs> hits the sandbag, and that's where you stop. So thank you so much. And he never told a soul that it was my first job. So I got away with it. That's awesome. How did the producers not know it was your first job? Like, how, how does that happen? I guess back then before the internet and stuff. Back in the day, yeah. We didn't have IMDb mm-hmm. revealing your whole history. You were just an actor showing up. So they didn't know. Well, I'm glad you got the part. You did so well in the role. Well, I had such a good time. It was such a great week. Everyone was so great. Still friends with Ian Buchanan after all these years. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so such a wonderful human being he is. He played Victor Drake, right, uh, yeah. in that episode. Yeah. So what did you think about the whole uh, vampire storyline on Quantum Leap and your part in particular? Did you ever you look back at it and think about it in, at all? Oh, yeah, I love that show. I, you know, I obviously took it very seriously. <laughs> uh, well, there are two funny things about the vampire theme. One is that the night before my boyfriend and I celebrated – and went to, there's a little pizza parlor in Laurel Canyon, and he got the garlic pizza. <laughs> and the next day, the hairdresser said, do you realize that you reek of garlic? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs> but it's kind of good for the theme, right? And she was disgusted. She didn't think that was funny. I don't know if she did or not. But then the other thing was that during the dining table scene, um, Alan came over and said, Shay, you're, you have a thing where you roll your eyes to the side, you, you look to the side, and when you open your mouth, your, your eye teeth are very pointy, and so you look more like a vampire than anyone else at the table, <laughs> and you're the one who's not supposed to be a vampire, so try not to look to the side and try to keep your mouth closed. <laughs> okay. But I loved it. I thought the theme was fabulous. I loved the period thing. I loved the theme. I thought it was great. And I thought those guys were just brilliant at their jobs of being vampires. They were both so good. Mm. The costuming was really good in this episode, too. Yeah, really great. What was it like working with Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell? Oh, they're so brilliant, both of them. And in fact, a really good friend of mine, Kevin Jackson, just worked with Scott on NCIS New Orleans. And he had a brilliant experience with him, too. He's just the kindest guy. He's so kind. And Dean is hilarious and brilliant and just, they're just great. 
they were great. That's awesome. You've had a pretty good career. I mean, tell me a little bit about what stands out in your career, what things that you really enjoyed and would like people to see that might only know you from Quantum Leap. I'm I actually really obviously Boardwalk Empire is great. Mm. I liked the show Gypsy. This film that's out now, Can You Ever Forgive Me? That's a really great film if you haven't seen it. It's actually just announced yesterday that, I don't know if you know that the two leads have gotten Academy Award nominations as the author. And that the film is now going to be released nationwide in theaters. It had a limited release before, but now it's going to be re-released because of that, which is just fabulous news. That is exciting. I wasn't able to see it around here. I live in uh, Florida, so it didn't come out in my Yeah, it didn't come out, but it's coming now. You get to go, and it's a really good movie, really good movie. You play Nell in the movie. What's that part? So it's a historic character, but we didn't really, you know, have too much strictness in terms of trying to stick with who the person was. Ah. But, yeah, there were... Um, several bookstore owners that got duped by this writer, Lee Israel, she was forging letters. You know, when, when writers used to write each other or celebrities used to write each other, those letters become collector's items. And she was forging those letters Mm -hmm. and, and selling them to these bookstore owners who were then putting them into their collections and reselling them, et cetera. And she got caught for it. But the story is really about that character. But then I played one of the bookstore owners, which nice. was a really fun part. Yeah, it was really fun. Did you get to work with Melissa McCarthy? I did. I did. I got to work with her for three different days. And the most fun day was with Richard and Melissa in this book fair because we got to spend the entire day together, all of us, a bunch of New York actors playing small parts, all really, you know, fine theater actors that you would know if you lived in New York, we're all there. And the most beautiful thing was you had to have your cell phones in another room. So everyone all day long had no cell phone. And so you were forced to hang out and talk to everybody. And it became this, oh, wow, I remember what it used to be like to talk to people. And Melissa's husband was in that scene also. And the kids came on set, her two children, two two beautiful daughters came on set. And the director's child and husband. So it was just a really great like family day to be a part of that day. It was such a privilege to see these really fine actors with their families and just see how grounded they were, you know, what great people they are. I have found that by and large across the board that the the greater the talent, the more evolved the character. And I know there are exceptions to that rule, but I've been very lucky. I've, I've really been blessed to work with a lot of uber talented people who are also just very kind. That's one. I'm really excited to see that when it comes to my local area. You definitely have to, yeah. A lot of people might know you from Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Did you have fun filming that series? Oh my gosh, yes. It's a live audience, you know, so there's nothing like it's just like doing theater for four years. It was just always getting up and performing in front of a live audience is my favorite thing. And Jenna, my cohort Dharma was so such such a great teammate in terms of being able to feed off of her and working together. We had just had a real kick. It was really a lot of fun. Jenna Elfman, she seems like a real fun person to be around. Is, is she like that in real life? Yeah. I mean, we don't socialize so much, but we really had a good time 
on set. She was just a really great, fun actor to work with. Lots of energy and just really good at her job. And all of the whole family of Starmer and Greg, Susan Sullivan, Joel Murray, Thomas Gibson, Alan Richens, Mitch Ryan, uh, Mimi Kennedy, all of the all of the actors were so kind and so wonderful. They were really great to work with. And then we obviously had tons of really amazing guest stars that you get to know over the course of it. Like Tommy Chong came to my dressing room. Oh, well, I (laughs) guess I can't. I was going to tell the story, but I can't tell that story, but it wasn't anything untoward. It was just probably not. (laughs) Well, I think it's legal in California now, right? Well, it is, and everybody knows that he smokes weed, but I don't know how many other people, <laughs> how many other people do on your, uh, maybe that's a big deal on your, uh, I, in your crowd. I, I think even if you don't, and Tommy Chong offers, you say yes. It's one of those things. Oh, well, it was other way around entirely. We had a whole dressing room full of people pleading with him to come <laughs> up to my dressing room, so it was not his doing at all. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. Another really good film that I think hasn't been seen as much as the pretty one. And I love my role in that film. It's a really fun part. I had a really great time. But uh, Zoe Kazan is the star of it. and Does she play both twins in that? Yeah, she does. I saw a little clip yeah, of that, and I'm, I'm intrigued. I don't what, – what's that scar about? Is What, what happens in that? Um, one of the twins dies – and the other one thinks that she's the one who died and then realizes she's not, but then plays the role of the one who died. Um, that sounds interesting. It's very interesting. It's totally a great concept, and, yeah, it's super cool. Did you play her mom in that, or who did you play? Her stepmom. Her stepmom. Her stepmom. Ah. Yeah. Could it be a real bitchy role, but I think it's fun. It turned out really fun. Yeah, that looks like something very fun to watch. Uh, besides besides acting, you're also uh, teaching, right? Yes, I teach acting now. I started teaching five years ago in New York, and I just got back to Los Angeles like four days ago. So I'm going to be teaching out here now, but I love teaching. I never, ever thought I would be able to do it. First of all, I thought if someone can't act, they can't act. You can't teach them how to act. But that turns out not to be true at all. I've seen people who you would never think this person is going to be good. And they turn out to be great. I I mean, I think everybody can do it. So that's really – and I also think it's so applicable to so many things in life. You know, so many people come to me with different needs. And so it turns out to be very rewarding, super rewarding you know, basically what you're learning to do when you're acting is you're learning to pursue your intention at its its height. So you're making a hero out of yourself in every scene because you're so driven to get something from the other character. And that the, the tension is created from the drive and the energy that you have and the commitment that you have. And that's something you obviously need in your life. You need to be the hero of your own intention for your own um, personal goals. And so turns out to be incredibly helpful for them as human beings. And obviously that for me is very rewarding. If someone comes in kind of lost and leaves feeling great, then that makes me feel very happy. So I love it. 
Cool. How much of teaching acting is like the mechanics of it, like projection and, and, you know, hitting your marks and stuff like that. And how much of it is, you know, about finding the characters and the motivation and maybe acting technique? Like what, what is your favorite acting technique as well? Well, I kind of come at it through the back door, meaning I don't usually work on technique in terms of, you know, vocalization or enunciation I do ask them to work on dialects on their own so that they come in and bring in different dialects and different physicalities. But what I primarily work with uh, in that vein is intention. So, you know, if you really want something really badly, you're going to articulate it and you're going to speak louder and you're going to be driven to get that thing. And the further away that thing is, the louder you're going to be, you know. So, but when it comes to... um, becoming different kinds of characters and using different kinds of dialects and different kinds of physicalities. We do a lot of different kinds of exercises. Animal exercise is my favorite. I really love having um, this person be some random animal and then becoming the character and keeping the traits of the animal. And then I have something that I employ that's very, I don't know, I've never heard of anybody else employing it, but I do an exercise called character in a character meaning that you're now casting yourself as your favorite actor playing this character, or you're casting yourself as another person in the room playing the character. So you're twice removed from the, from yourself. Mm. And it's also very occupying for your mind. So it's very difficult to be self-conscious while you're trying to be Gary Oldman being (laughs) the, you know, made or whatever. Yeah, it, it adds another layer to it. Interesting. Yeah, super fun. Besides teaching and acting, you're also a director and a producer. Can you tell me a little bit about the things you enjoy doing behind the scenes? Yeah, I I always, as a child, was a director. I always gathered together the neighborhood and put on plays and and made little movies. And so, at a certain point in my career, I left acting. Um, right after Dharma and Greg and I started directing again and for 11 years I didn't act at all and I love directing really love directing it's so all-consuming part of the thing that's difficult about acting in in film is that you have so much downtime and so much waiting and I'm a fairly single-minded person so if I have a line to say at four o'clock and it's only you know 9 a.m forget it I'm only working on that until four o'clock and so after a while that got to be challenging for me I needed more to chew on you know more going on in my mind so I I really wanted to take a break from it and I did a lot of directing and that was really fun also I'm a filmmaker I shot a lot of um sociopolitical documentaries in Puerto Rico and followed around the nationalistas and, and, uh, all of the rebels, the graffiti artists, everyone who had a cause, I made a lot of documentary films and that was really exciting. Uh, making a documentary, how, how is that different than uh, making, say, a drama or comedy, something uh, written? Is it difficult sometimes to find the story you want to tell with what you've been filming? And, and does it change? Like, do you, do you go into a documentary thinking one thing, and then once you start putting it together, do you, do you have, like, a different story to tell or perspective on it, maybe? Yeah, for sure. You can go in thinking that the story is going to be one thing and then find out, oh, no, it's not about that at all. It's about this other thing. 
entirely. And sometimes you have, you know, weeks of footage that ends up on the floor because it turned out to be a different story. But it's always, I, I would say, across the board, it's always um, interesting. It's always fun. I just love, you know, humanity. And that's why I might call my studio Humanity Studio because I really just love watching human beings do their thing. And, you know, we're all so different. And we have no idea how different we are until we really go out and come in personal contact with each other. So I've done a lot of things like that I did a series of short films where I went to people's homes for one day and showed up when they woke up in the morning and filmed them, you know, in their morning routine and all the way through the day so that I could get to know how other people lived. I was just so curious. Mm. <laughs> so I just went around saying, Hey, I'm a filmmaker and I'm doing this thing. Can I come over and watch you get up and <laughs> live? It was really amazing. So fascinating. We all think like we all get up and brush our teeth and no, not at all. <laughs> uh, that sounds interesting. What was that called? What? Well, it, it's had it's had a few different different names, but you can find a couple of examples of it on my um, website, Shot in the Dark Films. You can find the um, organic farmer and the artist. So they're just profiles of people who I thought lived outside the box when I met them. I thought this person has found some way to be incredibly joyful, and they're living such an eccentric life. It was called the eccentricity quotient ah, when I first started it. I like that. Yeah, it's uh, shotinthedarkfilms.com if anybody wants to check that out. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I guess not everybody brushes their teeth in the morning, huh? Uh, it, it's been funny in films. Like I've noticed that um, main characters, if they're men, they wake up and they just put a shirt on and they leave the house. I'm like, if I did that, people would be like, you don't smell so good. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. And on, on the other, yeah, no. nobody does that. Nobody does. That. No, and then of course, on the other hand, uh, a female lead in a movie always takes a random shower for no reason. Yeah, so. multiple times a day. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's funny. I just always watch that, and I'm like, really? And I don't know. It's it's interesting. So, what what do you like doing best? I mean, you do so much in in the entertainment industry. Like, what is your favorite part? Like, if you had to choose. Ugh, I'm having to choose right now. I'm I'm pitching a TV show, and I'm having to choose what my role would be going forward. And I, I'm really having a hard time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really hard to choose if you have your ideal role and your uh, the possibility is that you could be a director or a showrunner or what what do you do? Um, you know, I don't I don't know. I would say if I had to choose. For the rest of my life, mm. what would you be? I would be a director. Yeah, director. That's not. Yeah, that's uh, really fun. Um, yeah, showrunner would be good because you could always just step in and direct when you felt like it, and of course yeah. make a part for yourself also. So I guess <laughs> you do everything. Yeah. What have you enjoyed doing uh, theater wise? Because that, that's always fun. Uh, the theater. It's it's a. I, I think it's a more intimate connection. You know, with, between the uh, audience and the actors. Yeah, I've had a couple of favorite theater experiences. One was the play, Tennessee Williams' play, Tiger Tail, which turned into Baby Doll, the movie, oh. had its New York premiere, and uh, I got to play Baby Doll. That was really wow, fantastic experience. Then I really like a few of my 
experiences in Boston, I had great leadership, I guess, because I had three different directors from MIT. They were in a theater company together and they had just some really fantastic, brilliant minds and they really did some challenging, interesting stuff. So I had a really great time working with them. One of the plays they did was called Maddie Far Away, uh, written by Bill Bryant and Andrew Borswick-Leslie, Kevin Cunningham. Those guys were just so talented and I really loved that play. And then I did a lot of classical stuff and I can't say I like... Iphigenia, as you like it. I loved being Lady Macbeth. There, I mean, there are just so many parts. I don't even know where to begin. I, I, I love Tennessee Williams, though. I'm a big Tennessee Williams fan. Theater, if you're an actor, do theater. Theater's just, there's no other experience like it. It's not just, you know, people will say, you have to do theater so you'll be a great actor. I don't think that has anything to do with it. For me... Yeah, your your chops are going to be different and you're going to have had different experiences. But for me, it's just a matter of the joy of it. It's, it's an incredibly exhilarating experience to do anything live, you know. Are you uh, still going to be doing theater? I am dying to do some theater right now. If anyone's listening that wants to cast me in a play, call me because I'm so dying to do it. <gasps> Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? I would literally cut off my pinky finger and donate it just because I love that play so much. <laughs> I really love that play. But there's also a, a really brilliant playwright named Derek Murphy. I just saw this production in New York called Inside Danny's Box. Mm. I want to do that play. That play is really, really hilarious and profound. He's a really great writer. Very cool. Very cool, yeah. I love the theater. Let's go back to uh, 1993. I, I know a lot of people that I talk to don't remember as much about their roles on Quantum Leap because it was so long ago. But uh, being your first professional job on television, it's got to stand out in your in your mind. Um, did you like create a backstory for Lady Alexandra Corrington or uh, did you like do a lot of extra work that maybe uh, you wouldn't further on in your career but like preparing for that role if that makes sense yeah you know hmm, interesting because I at that point I was working with personalization and that that method was my was what I had been schooled in but I also always just instinctually relied on myself in terms of imagination. So I'm not even sure what I was working with, honestly. However, I will say I did take it very seriously. Yes, I worked very hard on it. I was very committed to the process of it, as you can probably see. <laughs> <laughs> the accent was good. Uh, did they ask you to do the accent or was that uh, your idea or did they ask you to do a different, a few different ones and they picked one or? No, that was the accent that I brought into the audition and that's just where it stayed, I guess. Oh, awesome. I just actually saw it. The reason I can even think of all of these things, I think, is because it was on Netflix and I ran mm. across it and I watched it with my family. It was just so fun. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's I fun. wonder, do you know, like, how many um, Quantum Leaps are still on Netflix? I don't think it's currently on Netflix. It's one of those things where it, they put it on and take it off every once in a while. But you can watch them all on uh, NBC.com. I just watched the Blu-ray of uh, Blood Moon today, though. So, Oh, cool. It, uh, it's out on a nice Blu-ray set. 
uh, whole series. Nice. Wow. Did you ever think about maybe after watching this episode or even back then, um, whatever happened to that character? Like after she took off and sold the knife and made a life for herself? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I haven't actually thought about that, but I could come up with something quick. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> no. uh, yeah. She definitely was, you know, at some point she was very fragile there, but I think she, she learned a lot and she toughened up and she was going to be totally fine. She had, she had survived a lot already. Mm. So I think she was, she was, uh, some billionaire's wife, right? Yeah, that sounds good. She had already had the taste of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shay, thank you so much for uh, talking with us today. I really enjoyed talking to you and finding out more about your career and everything you do. And uh, again, for people, if the movie comes to your area or if you're lucky enough to be in one of those cities that always gets the newest, best films, uh, it's called Can You Ever Forgive Me? So uh, hopefully Can you will... ever forgive me? Yeah. I forgive you. Stop. <laughs> thank you so much I really enjoyed talking to you it was so lovely talking to you and thank you guys for watching what I tell you great stuff right Thank you, Albie, and thank you, Shay, so much for taking the time to speak to us here on the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm sure listeners loved hearing from you, and we want to hear from listeners. Listeners, tell us what you think about this interview with Shay Dillon, about the podcast in general. We always encourage you to reach out and contact us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can do so by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and you can follow us on twitter and instagram at quantum leap pod now if you want to go that extra mile and support us on patreon you can go to patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast so come one come all let us know what you think just remember we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the quantum leap podcast all right everyone i guess that about does it for this special edition of the quantum leap podcast we'll be coming back at you soon with our take on justice until then Keep leaping.